Hello, everyone. Craig here with a very special little mini episode of The Diz Unplugged. Uh, This is a little bit different than everything we've done in the past because today we are going to talk about touring plans, crowd calendars, and how to pick kind of the the best times to visit Walt Disney World. Lately, we've been seeing a lot of trends on disboards.com of people kind of questioning whether or not uh, websites like touringplans.com actually give great, accurate information on their crowd calendars, what to expect when you're going to Disney World based on which time of year. And it's something that both uh, myself as well as Pete have really come into question in terms of why people are questioning all these methods, because uh, it seems like they are accurate all the time from what we can tell. But I'm not a huge expert in it. Pete, While he knows a lot, he's also not the expert in it. So we actually decided to bring in the expert in it, and that is Len Testa, owner of touringplans.com, and he's going to help us get a grip on this entire situation. So first off, Len, thanks for joining us here. I really appreciate Uh, it. Thanks for having me, Craig. I I really appreciate it. And uh, thanks to Pete, wherever he is, for for having me on, too. Yeah, absolutely. So uh, let's just jump into it right away. Can you explain what touringplans.com is and what all you guys have to offer? Sure. We're a, uh, we're a trip planning uh, website for Disney World, Disneyland, uh, Universal Orlando, and the Disney Cruise Line. And the thing that makes us different from other places is that we're, uh, we provide data and tools for trip planning. And we're, uh, we're a bunch of geeks, so we're heavily invested in the math and science behind trip planning. Uh, so that's uh, the, the tools that we have that are the most popular include our step-by-step touring plans for minimizing your weight in line uh, and also our crowd calendar. And so those are basically two, two sides of the same coin for how to avoid long waits in line at Disney World. Now, can you explain the crowd calendars a little bit more for our audience? Sure. Um, so a question that we get all the time, and, and we get thousands of these questions, um, is what time of year should I go to Walt Disney World to, um, to avoid the, the crowds? Uh, about 15 years ago, we came up with this idea of a crowd calendar. And what we do is um, every day of the year for the next 365 days, we assign a number from 1 to 10 to each park, so to the Magic Kingdom, to Epcot, the studios, and Animal Kingdom, based on how crowded we think the parks are going to be. And a 1 is uh, the least busy day, and the 10 is the, is the busiest day. So Christmas and New Year's would be a 10. Um, but we actually go one step further uh, um, than that because we'll actually link those individual crowd levels to average wait times at popular rides. Um, so this is how we measure crowds. We measure crowds by looking at the average wait time at things like Space Mountain. We're really big about transparency and openness. Uh, so you can use the My Disney Experience app to check how our predictions do every day. We also post how our predictions do uh, every day online as well. So, uh, so not only do we make predictions, but we tell you how well the predictions have gone in the past. Now, are you actually in the parks finding out these wait times, or are you just co- uh, constantly monitoring my Disney experience? So we get data from uh, from a couple of different uh, sources. One is uh, we have uh, employees whose job it is to be in the parks every day, uh, and they give us a certain number of wait times. That's useful if. And I'm sure you, you've, this has happened to you, Craig. You, you look at a line for something like, you know, Buzz Lightyear, and the, the, the posted wait time says five minutes, 
but the lines out the door and, you know, halfway down to astro orbiters, it, probably yeah. not a five minute wait. So we use our staff to jump in line, uh, when those things happen to, to figure out what the actual weight is. And that's one of the ways in which we update the data. We also get, um, feeds from Disney. Uh, Disney knows that we do this. We have a really good relationship with Disney's data science group, um, both formal and informal. Um, and then we also ask our users, uh, through our lines app to submit their actual wait times in line as well. So we've got, uh, hundreds of thousands of users of our lines app. Um, every day they tell us not only what the posted wait times are at the rides, but how long they actually waited in line. And that kind of information is invaluable when you, when you're talking about measuring crowds. Yeah, absolutely. Because just as you mentioned, I, I think everyone's seen it before where you, you walk up to an attraction and it's, you can clearly see that it's way longer than it's posted. But then sometimes you also see the opposite where yeah. you are, you, you know, you, you know, like, okay, well, if Space Mountain, if the line's all the way out the door, maybe I'm thinking between 90 minutes and two hours, but then you get in line or you're in the fast pass line and you keep walking, walking, walking and yeah. find out that the line's basically right up to the ride vehicle. It's, it gets very frustrating. So I, I totally understand. And so how, how, how often do you think, in your opinion, from all the information that you guys go through, does mm-hmm. Disney accurately have their wait times posted? So Disney's goal uh, seems to be, uh, based on the analysis that we've done, by the way, uh, we have this database of 20 million wait times that we've collected oh. over the last uh, seven or eight years uh, for every single ride, basically every five minutes uh, from park open and t- park close for every park in the United States. Um, so based on that, broadly speaking, we think um, Disney's posted wait times uh, are inflated by about 20% over what you'll actually wait. So if you multiply, let's say the posted wait time is 60 minutes at Space Mountain, you should wait 48. And that's, that's sort of what Disney shoots for okay. in terms of goal. Now, the, things, the thing is that it varies wildly. Um, and the reason for that is I think they don't update the posted wait time as often as they might be able to. So like at Buzz Lightyear, we did this interesting experiment where we, we just had people ride over and over again and time their, their, their actual wait time. Mm-hmm. And then we compared it to the posted wait time. Um, and the interesting thing about Buzz is like it, Buzz runs at a pretty much a constant speed. So you know how many people per hour Buzz can handle. Um, but the interesting thing is that the, uh, the posted wait time varied plus or minus 40% based on what you think the uh you it should be based on the number of people in line which is really interesting because you would think if you knew how many people were in line you could predict what the posted wait time is but it it turns out you can't uh and 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 so that really puts a limit on the accuracy of any crowd calendar right if if the posted wait time isn't true and it's not predictable like if it's uh you know if you can't predict the error it's uh, it, it's basically what limits how how accurate a crowd calendar can be. Um, that said, uh, we often get this question, or I see this on the on the, the disboards.com too. It's you know nobody can ever predict uh, crowds. I I don't think that's true. So for for all of 2017 on our one to ten scale, we were basically plus or minus one at every park over the course of 365 days. Uh, and again, based on how accurate Disney's own posted wait times are. I think that's about as good as you can get. Um, that seems to be a reasonable level of accuracy for a lot of people. Oh, yeah. 
no i i completely agree i mean i i come from a theme park background with disney and universal when i was at universal i was i saw projected numbers on a daily basis when we'd come into work that's one of the things we'd go over right away and i'm sure i'm sure most of the time uh you end up getting data that's along the same lines as that with uh projected crowds uh historically and and almost I, I would say probably only one or two days a week, even the the parks are wrong about guessing their projected attendance. So uh, I'm, I'm sure that you just get a lot of invaluable data shared with you that is very accurate a lot of times. Yeah, we look at um, so when we make these projections, we're not only looking at you know what's happened in the past at the parks, but we collect uh, school schedules from the uh, hundred largest school systems. East of the Mississippi, we wow. know approximately how many um, visitors those uh, schools send to Walt Disney World on an annual basis. So we know the impact of like the Tampa school system being on holiday versus, you know, Rochester, New York. Um, we collect 600 individual metrics for every wait time, everything from, you know, whether it was raining on that particular day to, you know, the, the state of the United Kingdom and Brazil economies. And all of this goes into a uh, a data analysis model that we have that makes predictions. So, it's pretty um it's pretty comprehensive. the uh, The interesting thing is uh, is what happened in January and to some extent in February this year. So I uh, so I mentioned uh, that we were pretty accurate for for 2017. Uh, and and by the way, that that's true for Disneyland and Universal. Um, but you know, January 2018, we we saw these crowds that we we totally didn't predict. Uh, and essentially, it's continued into into February of 2018 as well. And that's the thing I think that started this conversation on the Diz about uh, about crowd calendars, right? Yeah, that's it's a big part of it. So yeah. I, I mean, so it's, the- <laughs> I think it's taken all of us back in the community. We've almost gotten used to these the slow periods, and we all know it. But that just yeah. I feel like it completely got upended in 2017. Yeah. So let me uh, put this in perspective. So. Um, the average crowd level on our 1 to 10 scale that we saw for the Magic Kingdom in January of 2018 was just over 7 on our 1 to 10 scale. Yeah. To put that in perspective, that's busier than any summer period in all of 2017. It's busier than Memorial Day to the end of June. It's busier than just June. It's busier than mid-June to mid-July when basically all of the schools have got up, uh, out of uh, have ended for summer vacation. Mm-hmm. It was busier than July. It's busier than November. The only times, uh, the only months in 2017 that were busier than January, 2018 in terms of wait times were spring break last year and the last couple of weeks of, uh, of December during Christmas. Wow. And, and that's insane, Craig, right? Because January, 2018, 95%, literally 95% of public schools were in session in January, 2018, 95% of public schools were out in summer of 2017, right? So, so the, 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 the question that I ask my stats guys is, you know, what's, what's going on here? It's not like we, we just became idiots on January 1st. Yeah. You know, we, we completely lost the ability to, what, what happened, right? So we started breaking down the data. So I went back and I asked the team, it's like, are there any days that were, were, that were our predictions are, are still good? And it turns out, um, and this is interesting, uh, and I'll tell you why, on our predictions for Fridays, Saturdays, and Sundays, 
in 2018 or have been about as accurate as they were for 2017. So plus or minus one, mm. which is basically the men- benchmark. But our predictions for Monday, Tuesday, Wednesday, and Thursday were off by double that. So basically wow. two points on our yeah, so, uh, but this actually starts, uh, starts to become interesting because you can now form theories around where the, where the errors or where the crowds are coming from. So it's like, well, why, what would cause something to be accurate on Friday, Saturday, Sunday, but not Monday, Tuesday, Wednesday, right? Or do you think literally hundreds of thousands of Americans have decided in January of 2018 that taking their kids out of school is no longer important when it was important a month ago? <laughs> I mean, it, it kind of doesn't make sense, right? Yeah. 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 Um, so we you know, started in, so we didn't think that was true. So we've looked at things like the economy. Um, cause remember there's a big tax cut passed in December of, uh, 2017. Some people might've been feeling, you know, flush yeah. based on that. So, but, and we think definitely the economy is, is, is helping, um, is Disney world. So like half of the error that we've seen, we're, we're attributing to, uh, the economy. It's it's basically stronger than at any point that we've seen since we started measuring this in 2010. Um, so we think some some of this is the economy. But you know, to be honest with you, I think some of this is Disney cutting capacity at its rides. And I will I will tell you how we know this. Okay. And the easiest way is uh, is to count the number of people that are coming off of the rides. So uh, a ride like uh, Pirates of the Caribbean can handle somewhere between 2,800 and 3,000 people an hour, uh-huh. right? When it is operating at full capacity, you can sit at the exit to Pirates of the Caribbean and count how many people come out. And generally, you know, uh, assuming the ride is running at a normal pace, you're going to get somewhere around 2,800 people an hour. Yeah. Same thing for uh, like Toy Story Mania back when it was only two tracks. It could never get above 1,100 people an hour. I mean, that was that was pretty much the tops. And it would generally be you know, 1050 to 1100. Wow. So one of the things, the first thing that we did when we, when we started investigating this, um, this problem with the crowd calendars was we wanted to know whether it's really more people in Walt Disney world. So we started counting how many people were coming off of the rides. Um, so let me, let me give you some context on this. So if you look at a ride like, like space mountain, it can handle last week, it was handling around 1600 people an hour. Last week was, um, president's day week. Basically, the entire park was running at full tilt, 100% of capacity as far as we can tell, Okay, 1,600 people an hour. Back when we first started looking at this, though, Space Mountain was only running at about 1,200 people an hour, actually a little less than that. So basically, a 25% reduction in capacity. Jeez. Um. <laughs> that's that's going to increase wait times. If, yeah. you look at, if you look at Rock and Roller Coaster, Rock and Roller Coaster can handle something around 1,400 people an hour. It was running at 900, or basically 33% uh, under capacity. If you look at Seven Dwarfs Mine Train, it can handle around 1,400 people an hour. Yeah, 1,350-ish. It was running at under 800, or basically 60% of capacity. Same thing with Big Thunder. Big Thunder, 30% capacity reduction. And, and, And that's the thing that we find interesting. Like on Mondays, Tuesdays, Wednesdays, and Thursdays, the capacity of the rise was lower than we expected it to be. So, I mean, I can bring a little perspective into this, too. When I worked at Universal, I worked at Harry Potter and the Forbidden Journey. And I know for a fact there, of course, the ride vehicles there are KUKA Robotics on a a moving base. And 
Universal doesn't like to take their rides down like Disney does for for refurbishments. They mm-hmm. they like to keep them running every single day of the year, if at all possible. And a lot of times for the Wizarding World rides, also for after hours events, which means there, there was times where uh, technicians only had a couple hours in between the park closing and the park opening back up to work on these sophisticated robots every night. So <laughs> a solution... The solution for that was we would run first thing in the morning when we knew things were slower, we would run maybe half the RVs on the ride vehicle so that way the robotics weren't moving. They were just moving in their stationary keyhole mode, uh, not not having any fun, not avoiding the whomping willow, all that stuff, just boringly going around. But it helped prevent breakdowns later on exactly. in the day. And so that Same was a, a method we yeah. did. and. As the wait times started to grow and grow and grow, we would then add ride vehicles back on. But like even then, our goal, unless it was truly, truly, truly a super slow day, we would always try to eventually hit that full capacity. So why do you think Disney is sticking with this lower capacity rate? All right, so I'll give you a, I'll give you a couple of reasons, uh, and and I'll start off with the reasonable, and then I'll venture into tinfoil territory. Is that okay. right? <laughs> that works. <laughs> <laughs> All right. So the reasonable thing is exactly what you said. All right. By by running the rides at lower capacity, they save on staffing, they save on ride maintenance. Right. Mm-hmm. Um, I've heard that uh, that Disney is interested in uh, for parks and resorts. They have a goal to cut both their capital expenditures this year and their operating expenses. So capital expenditures are things like building new rides. Operating yeah. expenses are running the, the existing rides, right? So uh, from what I understand, uh, early in January, um, Parks and Resorts got a directive to cut both CapEx and OpEx. Um, and we think that that played into some of this. And they'd actually been doing it um, uh, over, over all of 2017. 2017. In fact, if you go back to 2015, you see this interesting spike, and it's by the way, it's in the the University of Central Florida presentation that I sent to you. Yeah, um, you see this interesting thing in the third quarter of the year. You uh, both in 2015, 2016, and 2017, you see these uh, interesting spikes in average wait time across the parks that don't correspond to attendance increases. Um, this is where I venture into the tinfoil territory. <laughs> um, the third quarter of the year is Disney's final financial quarter for its fiscal year. Yes. Uh, my sense is that they, they tend to cut staffing and uh, reduce capacity of rides to save on maintenance when they're trying to finish up their fourth quarter revenue numbers and expense numbers and trying to, when they need to state their entire full year um, profitability for wall street, you see these spikes at the end of the year where wait times go up inexplicably. Um, and I think that's it. In 2018, I think it's exactly the same thing. If you look at Disney's earnings, there are drags from things like ESPN um, and, and other places that that cause revenue holes that Disney needs to make up. And I think Parks and Resorts has been asked to do their part of it. Um, and I think that's where these capacity cuts come from. Oh. Uh, so let me let me let me and, and here's why we here's why we think it is too. If you um, we added a a uh, a parameter to one of our models that said. What happens if we assume Disney cuts the capacity of rides by 5%? And it turns out that is the most accurate match for wait times that we've seen. So 5% cut in capacity. The other thing I would say, and again, this is strictly tinfoil, 
um, conspiracy theory stuff. Uh, I have no evidence to believe that this is true, but you know, Disney's going to move to to multi-day uh, seasonal pricing of tickets mm-hmm. later this year. If you were a company who uh, would make more money on days that are busy, wouldn't you want every day to look busy? That's a very good point. <laughs> <laughs> I'm just saying, man. I know, I know. It's completely out there, but I, uh, I, I wouldn't, I wouldn't. When there are billions of dollars at stake, I wouldn't put it past anyone to make that kind of decision. And that's all I'm going to say on it. You know. Well, right now your your uh, two tinfoil hat theories, I'm on board with both of them. So <laughs> I those just say it makes perfect sense to me. So we saw the we saw the exact same kind of spike right before Disney announced uh, single day tickets going to to, to seasonal pricing as yeah. well. So, uh, so we'll see. Yeah. Um, but January and February this year have been more crowded than virtually any month of 2017. I, I can't imagine it's people coming out of school, you know, taking their kids out of school. We know that international travel is down, Yeah, you know, by a couple of percent, especially like, like one of the questions we, uh, I think we see this on, on the, on the disboards too is, um, you know, is it Brazilian tourists, but tourism from Brazil was down like 12% as of third quarter, 2017. And, and it's only, if you look at the, the overall aggregate tourism from Brazil, it's only a couple thousand people a day to the entire United States. Like literally that, that wouldn't be a drop in Disney's bucket. You wouldn't notice. I mean, I know, I know we, we notice Brazilian tour groups were in there in the parks, but plus or minus 50%, you would never, you would never be able to notice the difference there. Yeah. It's just, it's such a small number. It couldn't possibly be, be accounting for all this. So yeah. So I think Part of it's the economy. I think roughly half of it's the economy. I think half of it is capacity cuts. I makes perfect sense for me. I mean, it's. <laughs> yeah. I, I'm glad you guys do the hard science on this <laughs> to figure it all out. So then it yeah. can be presented just nice and easily like this. Yeah. Uh, I'm I'm just blown away. So uh, <laughs> thanks. You know, I obviously. I, I see all the same things that the people on the board see as well too, and and start to question things. But I will say, now that you're sitting here painting the picture, it it makes that much more sense. I will say this: uh, we so we we figured this out all out, and we put new models and new predictions in on February 16th. Uh, since then, they've been uh, much more accurate than they were. So we we put in that assumption that Disney cut their weekday capacity wow. by five percent. Um, in on, on February 16th. Since then, the models have looked much better. We, there's probably still more tweaking that we have to do because we got to see what how Disney's going to react to this too. Um, but but you know we're continuing to look at it. And I think the thing that I'd, I'd like the listeners to uh, to understand is we've got a bunch of professionals who are looking at this. There's trained statisticians. They're trained data scientists. It's their full time job to look at it. Uh, you know we're 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 invested in in getting this right. We've spent more than a million dollars on the crowd calendar of actual money. Um, so we're, we're trying to do the right thing. I think we can, um, if you guys have any, have any feedback on it, you know, let me know. Yeah, absolutely. So, uh, of course, if for anyone listening out there, you can always send us emails, uh, for the Diz podcast at disunplug.com to share your experience with, uh, crowd calendars, touring plans, all of that. If you, if this is honestly your first time hearing about touring plans, please do go check out their website, touringplans.com. It is a, a great resource. You know, of course, we want you to always use wdwinfo.com, the Diz, <laughs> and the boards and all of our information. But uh, they're 
they touring plans is doing things that we just don't do and very very important if you if you are looking for those specialized touring plans and crowd calendars uh, that is that is the place to go for it and as you've heard from len himself here they are making those tweaks and adjustments right now uh, catching up with it and it's i mean he's just stating it clearly the science they're they're behind the science on it so it's if you've had issues with it don't give up i have a feeling that that they're about to to nail this all completely and help out a lot of people trying to plan vacations so thank you so much len for joining us here and helping share some of the science behind everything you do i'm sure our audience is appreciating it a lot and i do i do too because this has been just fascinating having this little chat with you oh thanks i appreciate the uh, the time craig thanks very much thank you